Hello everyone, this is Noah and John. We are from Urban Digs. Johnny, we're talking Manhattan, and we got Ryan Serhant. Uh, yes, we do. This is, it's just awesome to begin with. So, I mean, yeah. Yeah, well, we figured let's get someone that knows what he's talking about. He's out there, people know him. You know what I'm saying? Well, uh, I mean, it's, it's not just that. It's, it's a million dollar listing. It's, it's Bravo, it's the books, it's the course. I mean, it's everything. And it's, and it's Ryan, all right here today. So I'm like super there. excited about this. Yeah, Ryan, sit tight for a second. Let us talk about you for a little bit. And I, I keep trying to say hi, but you guys keep talking about me. So I, no. I think maybe that's what we'll right. just do for 20 minutes. Yeah, just keep quiet for a little while. Just sit tight. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Hang on. We're going to talk about it a little more. John, right. did you know that Ryan made $9,000 in his first year? Good. That's a good place to start. <laughs> $9,000 in his first year. And look at where he went to. So I'm just, I'm just saying, like, if any agents are out there and they're trying to, like, you know, think about where they could potentially go, yes. it's not about where you're at. It's about what you're going to do now and, and, and build going forward. We're going to talk about that right now. You know? All right, let's jump right in then. Let's jump right in. Ryan Serhant, thank you so much, star of Million Dollar Listing. Sell it like Serhant. I love that course. That's awesome. Uh, thank you for joining us. You got your own firm now? Tell us yeah. about it. Yeah, uh, two weeks ago. You know, I figured, like, what, what could make 2020 any crazier um, other than, you know, blowing up my life? as I've known it for the last 12 years and start my own real estate brokerage uh, in New York City. And so that's what we did. Um, you know, but in all seriousness, uh, it's the culmination of, you know, of over a decade of, of hard work with the team and building our brand, but then realizing over the last couple of years that real estate is bought and sold uh, in a very different way from the way it's been done for 70 years. And the other brokerages that I compete with, um, even as an agent previously, are, are not up to date and they're not up to speed and they're all just about growth by numbers and it's pretty photos putting it out there to the world hopefully someone shows up at an open house and you sell it and move on and it's just not the way that we we work in the way that we move and we created a brokerage company that is agent brand first um, and our main focus will be building the brands of our agents um, who are here. And we will be, you know, we select them, uh, the agents that will work here. This isn't a free-for-all. So it's kind of, you know, it's invite-only, and our concept is, mm -hmm. is different. And I guess you could call it some non-traditional real estate brokerage. But it's everything that I've known for the last 12 years about how to sell um, and how to build my own brand. And we're going to do that for the company going forward. Well, that, that sounds super exciting. Listen, wishing you all the best. Um, yeah. I know it's going to be successful. Everything you do is successful. So let's just talk uh, about what's going on in your business. Um, the viewers of this show want to know what's happening in Manhattan real estate real time, Ryan. So yeah. this is the crazy, crazy time. Um, do me a favor. Try to give everyone, um, think about everyone as a layperson out there. Summarize the last four, five, six months, um, what we went through, and try to compare that, if you can, to like where we've been and where we've came from. Um, since the peak in 2015, how much different is the market? What it feels like is that the last six months have been the longest 10 years of my life. Um, you know, so much has happened in the last six months, uh, not just with me personally, but, you know, in, in New York City alone, from being under complete lockdown, when every contract we had was at risk of being pulled or dying. And all we were doing from March to June, in all honesty, in New York, right, in our urban market, um, was working with buyers to try to keep them in the deal. You know, we did a lot of renegotiations. Um, and, you know, the way we look at it in this market is you're either pre-COVID or post-COVID. 
if the yep. comps that someone is using are before March 13th, they don't matter anymore. You know, they're helpful, sure. You know, hopefully things will go back to a quote unquote pre-COVID normal, but probably not because a lot of the deals that were done during quarantine and since then are done with this kind of post-COVID mentality and a fear of what will happen in the future in New York, given some of the stances that the politicians here have taken against luxury real estate. Um, and it just makes people nervous. But, you know, six months ago, you know, there were like three deals a week. Last week, there were a lot. Um, and, you know, uh, so there's a, I think, good feelings in the market amongst agents and amongst sellers and buyers that things are starting to, to pick up. You know, we've done deals between 800,000 and 30 million in the, you know, in September. Uh, and everyone's getting a deal because that's what it's about right now, right? It is a strong buyer's market. There's 9,500 apartments on the market for sale, and that's just active inventory. Um, you know, days on market is nice and long here. And in the sales course, it's funny, you know, I talk to agents all over the world, right? We're in 100 countries, and there's thousands of them they are in the greatest real estate market in the history of their life. You know, we have so many agents who are like, you know what, I, I got into your course last year to set me up for the next couple of years. Um, uh, I think I'm retiring in December. I've, you know, we've done triple the volume I've ever done in my life in 2020 because there's been a massive PR campaign on the news every single day for the value of a great home. And so, mm -hmm. so many people are buying and selling, buying and selling. Um, but I'd say the big difference in New York City between now and 2015 is there's, you know, there's a big disconnect between the want for real estate, right? In 2015, I think a lot of people wanted to sell and a lot of people wanted to buy. And that created, um, you know, that created a strong marketplace. We had lines out the door for open houses. We were still negotiating. It wasn't like everything flew off the shelves. You know, New York City has never had an average days on market of 15 days, the same the way you'll see in some, you know, some other markets in the country. Um, but now the deals we're doing on the buy side are, you know, are people who just need, right? No one, no one is coming to New York City right now saying, you know what, I want a place because I want to be able to walk to work and I want my kids to be able to walk to school. And we're not going to have that for a while. Um, you guys would know better, but I think when we look at our numbers, something like 75 or 80% of the sales that we do in New York City every year to people who are buying here because of work or school in some way, shape or form. Um, the other 20% are, you know, the, the pied de terres, the investors, the foreign nationals, mm -hmm. all that stuff. But so you remove that 75 or 80% and then you're left with a much, much smaller market, but they're, they're coming back. And I think the deals that can be had right now are, are pretty exciting. Like it's, Tell me, tell me about some of those deals, Ryan. I mean, I mean, people want to go into the, the, the office um, uh, of Ryan Serhant when you're negotiating one of these deals just to get an idea of what type of discount are we looking at. I know it's different in different price points. All right, so I'm not going to, but if you had to put a broad stroke in general, like if I'm a buyer out there today and I'm expecting 25% off, am I getting 25% off or that's a fallacy? No, you can get 25% off on some product and you can't elsewhere. So you can't, as a buyer, go into New York City and, and say it's a blanket sale just because it's not. Uh, premium product, we'll, we'll negotiate, but we'll never negotiate as much. You know, what, the way I look at it is not just a, a discount from February, but it's a discount, like you said at the start of this, from 2015. You know, we, we're negotiating right now on a property that in 2015 was 30 million, and we're probably going to get the deal done right around 17. Um, mm -hmm. We're negotiating right now on, on you know, things that were 8 million 
in 2015, and we'll probably get those deals done right around four, seven, four, eight. Wow. So, you know, it was five and a quarter, five, five in February. And so people are saying, well, I want, I want 2 million off, right? It's post COVID, post COVID, but no, no, no. Look at what people were paying for comparable product five years ago. And that's, that's what you really want to focus on. And at that point in New York is in some instances, heavily, heavily, heavily discounted in a way that I don't know if we've ever seen before. Um, but you know, I, 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 I love, you know, I love urban digs and I love the data and the stats because when you look at the stats over the last so many years, you always see like when there's a clearing of the board in New York, the board bounces right back. Um, right. Every time it's, it's really fast and really hard. So I think people who are buying right now are the smart ones. And, you know, I know it's probably not PC to say, but the best deals in New York City in the last 20 years have been right after 9-11, right after Lehman, yeah. right after quarantine. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, no, that's, that's, there's nothing wrong with that statement. And every single buyer, I mean, go back a couple of years ago. I mean, when I was at the peak, every buyer was like, God, I wish I bought after 2008 and 2009 during the credit crisis. But the same thing happens every single time when there's, when there's negative news or negative flow or the fear of a, a, a depreciating asset, fear yeah. of catching a falling knife, um, uncertainty, all those things that we're seeing right now, buyers tend to pause, they pull back, they hold on for whatever reasons it is. Obviously, maybe they're going through a different type of financial situ situation themselves during the downturn and they can't be as willy-nilly with their purchases. That's obviously playing a role, but um, they, they don't perk up. You only get those opportunistic buyers that perk up. And speaking of per perking up, developers, Ryan, yeah. tell me about new developments really quick. Could you give me any insight into those guys? Are they giving more discounts than the resale market or less? Yeah, developers who have a significant amount of inventory are negotiating a lot and giving a lot of concessions. Developers who have less inventory, obviously supply and demand are, are holding a bit more firm. But listen, there's a lot of product out there. You know, everyone is negotiating. Everyone is paying attention to comps. You have to move product. If you don't have to move it, then you don't move it. Um, but we don't know what the future is going to be like. We don't know what the buyer mentality is going to be like come January, February, end of 2021. What we know is that we have a person in the office today who wants to make an offer at this number. Do you want to sell this apartment or do you not want to sell the apartment? You know, everyone's got to be very, very flexible. And there are, there, there are, there's a lot of new development inventory out there, um, you know, especially in kind of that like standard one and two bedroom range that just, you know, people are location, uh, you know, ambiguous now. You know, we have buyers who come to products we have in the East Village who also go to Dumbo, they go to Williamsburg, downtown Brooklyn, Gramercy, Upper East Side. You know, we have people in our Long Island City projects who are trying to decide between a resale on the Upper East Side and Long Island City because they're just looking at value and just looking at their monthly costs. So, you know, it's tricky with our developers to explain to them that, hey, I know we're in West Chelsea and you want to look at just the West Chelsea comps, but that's not how it works anymore. Right? People need to factor in working from home, virtual learning, um, you know, and just access to Uber, right? Like they, and then you can kind of be, be anywhere. But some of the best deals you can get right now are in new construction, um, especially new construction product that's finished. If you go to a building where there are still sponsor units, uh, and it's finished product, that means that developer then has had closings and people have taken occupancy of the building. They're covering those real estate taxes and common charges, as well as paying down whatever construction loan or condo inventory loan that they have at the same exact time. And those monthly costs are heavy. So those developers want to make moves and they will negotiate with you. And now is, uh, 
I don't, like we're going to look back in five to eight years and it's going to be exactly what you said. Oh, like if I'd only bought in 2020 and not overpaid 20% for that place in the Hamptons that I never go to anyway. Right. That, I think you've nailed it on the head. And, and, and I think you touched on something that I think is, is very interesting, but I think it hasn't really been discussed much. And, and you know, and that's, and that's sort of the, the, location agnostic agnosticity of people these days and they can look at a new development say east village or west chelsea or dumbo you know and i'm curious when you when you start thinking about you know developers and the comps and working with them how do you pitch that as in terms of you know talking to the developers about well one location location itself i guess is not uh the cachet it used to be now it's more sort of the amenity set and the access to you know uber and all these things uh, yeah, a couple of things. I mean, one, data is first and foremost. You can't argue comps, you can't argue data. You know, it's, I mean, we use your website. Um, uh, and we also come to the table, not just with closed comps, but with active sales. Like, all right, if you want to put out two bedrooms at 2 million, here's every two bedroom that's on the market right now at 2 million plus minus 15%. So you can see, right? There are 842 options to choose from. Uh, how is a buyer going to differentiate all of that product that is now going to be more negotiable than us because it's been on the market uh, from us? And I understand that we're new and there, you know, there's brand value there. And that's my job, right? To create the market and to create the brand and to get people excited. So they do pay a premium for new products, but we also have to be realistic and we have to understand what our buyers also seeing on Sunday, right? And Monday through Friday and buyers are really taking their time. They're, because there's so much, they're really just waiting and seeing what else comes out there. And then, you know, if I could give one piece of advice to any buyer, it's, you know, do not be afraid of catching a falling knife because the person who actually knows how to catch that knife, they don't get cut. They're just a freaking magician. And everyone will talk about that because like, dude, you're the one who caught that knife in 2020, right? That was great. And you're going to get a great deal. Throw in yeah. closing costs, throw in concessions, throw in timelines, like just make an opening offer. People are so nervous to even do that. They're like, well, I haven't seen anything yet. I'm like, dude, how, how did you get married? Like, how did you, how did you make a choice on, on your husband or your wife? You're like, I haven't dated everybody yet. There like are that. risks everywhere. And if you're going to catch yeah. a knife, you're going to get nicked a little. Well, I, I, think that's, I think that's excellent on the buy side. Let, let me switch to the sell side right now, because you mentioned, you know, previously about how we have pre-COVID and post-COVID and Thinking about the sell side now, a lot of sellers, just individual sellers, are very anchored to those pre-COVID prices. And, they, and it used to be they're anchored to 2015 prices. They finally, the market kind of after several years, softened them a bit. But now they're anchored to these pre-COVID prices. And I'm curious about the conversation you have um, with folks who are willing to sell, but they're thinking, they're looking back on prices from, say, November 2019. Yeah. You know, I pitch a seller probably two to three times a day, right? A new seller. Um, and so my conversations are all pretty similar these days, which is I can't pay attention to pre-COVID pricing the same way you're not gonna pay attention to 2015 pricing. And to be honest, the price that you want, we need to go back in time. You should have sold in 2015 or 14, okay? And you didn't. And you also should have sold at the end of last year, but you didn't. So now we're here. So just fo follow my math with me. Yeah. You either sell now at the price I'm telling you to sell at, or, or you're going to sell for less, most likely coming up. I'm, you know, just be, make up your own mind that way. Um, or you might just have to hold for a while. Like the market right. will come back. So if you're okay, not selling, because there's a number you have in your mind that you want to get, and you can wait till 2023, 24, 25, maybe, maybe I'm not saying it's going to take that long, but this is just a honest conversation you have to have with your sellers, kind of like a, like a doctor would, you know, then, 
then you make up that decision. I'm fine, you know? And a lot of sellers are now opting just to rent. You know, let's like, let's rent it. Let's get a good rental in here and let's do a rent to own. We're doing a lot of rent to owns. You know, it's my job to come in as my fiduciary responsibility is to take care of my seller and the listing and to get them the best deal they possibly can. And if that's going to be a rental for two years and then selling in 2022, because we're going to, going to be opportunistic about the market and we know rates will still be low, then, then let's do that. You know, I want to take care of the clients first and foremost, but you know, you, you'd be surprised when people start doing the math They're like 2025, I'll be, 50. No, I got I got I got things to do with my life. I'm like, well, listen, it's it's residential real estate. Like at the end of the day, it's been a benefit for you to be here because you've gotten to live here. You had your kids mm -hmm. here to work. Now it's you sell where the market's going to price you and if you work with me, we're going to get you a little bit more than that. Right. That's great. And it, you know, you mentioned, you know, moving into sort of, you know, rent for a while. I'm just curious if you had any thoughts on what's happening in the rental market, especially sort of, you know, through the, through the price points. Uh, the rental market is, is, has been tough. Uh, I don't have the data in front of me, but I just know from the, the rentals mm -hmm. that we do right now, you know, their renting is, is temporary and I, I, the rental market won't be solved forever, you know, just because New York city majority is a rental, you know, is a rental city. Uh, but you know, if, if you're not going to the office or you don't know when you're going to go back to the office and if your kid is maybe going to school, but you don't really know, or there could be a second way, like, are you really going to spend millions of dollars and buy something right now? Or are you going to rent something temporarily or are you just not going to do it at all? And so, you know, we have a lot of our, our listings, sales listings where people are coming in and saying, I'd love to buy this, but I have no idea what's going on with the world. Can I rent for three months? Because if my school gets shut down, I'm not doing virtual learning. That'll be a divorce and I'm out. Right. Um, yeah. uh, we get that a lot now. So, uh, you know, it's put a lot of rental inventory on the market because if you're coming to New York City and you're going to spend money to rent here right now, that means you absolutely need to be here for the next 12 months. You're not renting something just because it would be cool to have an apartment here, you know, and, and who are those people? Right. They're, 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 they're fewer today uh, than there were a year ago for now. And that rental market's key. I mean, because I think, I think the sales market's going to be um, kind of moving in parallel with the rental market. So we're kind of waiting for that rental market to stabilize and kind of rebound and come back. And I mean, I mean, anyone doing a buy versus rent equation right now must be just going out of their minds because I mean, A, they don't have price discovery on where the buy is and B, they don't, they don't have price discovery on where the rent, they know both are down, but they're both just so clouded with the data right now. We're in that period where we just haven't gotten the discovery. Crazy. Yeah, well, I think that's the key is uncertainty is sort of clouding over everything. And frankly, if you're a buyer, that's, it's exactly what you want. You, you got to just reach out through that fog of uncertainty and grab it because this is the time when, you know, as you say, that knife is falling, you can just grab it. So, yeah. yeah and I think that, you know, the biggest unknown, I think for all of us is, is, is the presidential election is going to come and go, right? That's how, that's how life works. COVID, there's going to be a vaccine but this year, next year, it'll come and go. It's a virus. Um, is, but the politicians in New York, uh, are they going to do enough to revitalize the city and incentivize people to move back here and incentivize people to create jobs here? You know, yeah. one of the greatest things Bloomberg did for his multiple terms was really incentivize the world to want to be in New York City. It's a clean city, safe city, a great city for economic development, a yeah. significant amount of jobs, right? He, made, he put a lot of plans in action to bring a lot of people that would otherwise be in California 
right? Or in other tech sectors and bring them here. Like yeah. if you go back 20 years, it's, do you ever think that, you know, a, a social media network would be taking down that much square footage for an office lease in New York City? Like that's, that's Silicon Valley, right? Would yeah. Google be building the Googleplex and buying up all of Chelsea? Like that's, that's, that's Silicon Valley. Uh, yeah, no, I, I think it's an excellent point. I mean, listen, next year we have a mayor election. It's going to be a new mayor. The term limits are over. So I, I think whatever candidate you're going to get, it's going to be basically a rebuild New York platform. So uh, for, hopefully from either side, we're going to have sort of positive positions on how to solve problems going forward, which I think will be a plus for New York. And these are all fixable things. These are, and, and let's not forget, I mean, Ryan, we went through this, this four-year downturn that we went through from 2015 to 2019 was very policy-driven along the way. So like there's a number of things that changed policy-wise that kind of put Manhattan um, out of favor in terms of um, investors, um, in terms of luxury, et cetera, et cetera. Those could change. And when those policies change, buyers out there, I hate to say this, you know, you missed it. Yeah. Like it's kind of like a reset kind of thing. You were here and now you go here because the policy changes. So you can't predict that kind of thing. You kind of got to buy it while it's kind of not happening in anticipation of change. Yeah. And I think that you can't change the energy here. The energy in New York City has always been incredible. Even during quarantine, you know, and, and a lot of, you know, myself and my team were here, even the empty New York City energy was unlike anywhere else in the world. Um, and, you know, people still want to be in New York City and you can't count New York City out. There's still amazing reasons to be here. Uh, and, you know, I, I think humans is, is in their nature, they're, they're short-term foolish, right? Long-term smart, but short-term foolish. And we just have to get through this kind of short-term foolish phase, yeah, right? Yeah. And I, I mean- it's when you're in it. Yes. What? It's when you're in it. It's yeah. It's when you're inside of it. Yeah, and it's, uh, you know, it's, there's like in the investing world, they say a person is smart, but people are stupid, you know? So like if you, if you just work with an individual person to make a decision, um, you can often get a great logical realistic answer out of them but if it's um if you work with a group of people they freak out you know and they follow the herd all the time which is what creates bubbles at the same time like look at pricing you know we sold last year in 2019 i sold the uh the most expensive house in the hamptons it was 40 million dollars it was in bridge hampton most expensive house for the year this year that's like the cheapest sale of the year because you know it's created this bubble of oh you need land you need houses you can't be in new york city and yet all of these very smart, very wealthy people have just gone out there and are over, overspending and overpaying. It's like, it blows my mind all the yeah. time. It's exactly what happens in New York. This is well, what happens. Well, speaking, speaking of short-term foolish, long-term, sorry, what, what can agents, you know, New York City agents, you know, agents that are sort of, you know, interested in, you know, bettering their career, what can they do to be short-term smart these days? What are just a few tips you could give them before we wrap up here? Um, Agents who want to be short-term smart and long-term genius. Uh, oh, I like it. Yeah, can, uh, can email me, ryan at sirhant.com. That's my new fancy email. Um, and let me know why they, they should work for me. Uh, because I think we're really building a real estate brokerage that is for the marketplace of tomorrow. Uh, and between the in-house film studio and the marketing and innovation hub and the ventures team that is there to help agents grow businesses that are not just real estate, by the way. Like the same way I've done for myself where, you know, I have multiple income streams from different things that are tied to real estate to diversify myself in case of a downturn, right? I want to help agents do the same thing and I want them to work side by side with me. 
right? And develop new business and generate more leads and not just hang your hat at some brokerage firm that's going to take a cut because they need to hit their quotas and have thousands of agents. Um, that is my pitch for myself, but I will tell you too, you, uh, you know, uh, invest back and make sure you focus all day, every day on generating new busy, uh, new, new business. Do not get uh, caught up in the rat race of running around all day with your head cut off like a chicken, right? Be somebody who thinks like a CEO every day. And now is a unique time to do that because most agents have a little bit more time on their hands right now because volume of transactions is just down, right? Think, spend half an hour to one hour every single day focused as your own, I call it a finder, right? In our, in our sales course and with all our members, like the finder hat, like be that finder and think and really brainstorm. And you'll be amazed what you can come up with if you force yourself just to use your brain and think about how to build your own business every day. Um, that'd be very interesting. Let me, let me ask you one quick question um, on the agent productivity. Where are you seeing the action? Like, where's the activity? What, what sectors? Is it Brooklyn? Is it low end? Yeah, I'd say the, the volume of transactions we have the most in is probably Long Island City um, because of price point and just value. And I saw that same thing in 2009. You know, when I got into this business, the day Lehman Brothers filed for bankruptcy, um, I learned how to sell in Long Island City because those were the only places that people were actually purchasing because in the in the city you know i'd get a buyer who wanted to be on the upper east and then they'd want to be on the upper west and then let's go check out gramercy and then what about fidei and then they lose their job and in long island city there's like there were five buildings if you want to be in long island city and you wanted a three bedroom under a certain price point because you're about to have a baby like you've made that decision on that neighborhood you're not going long island city or jamaica right you're going right. Long island city or long island city um, and you know, I really did the majority of our first sales there and we're kind of seeing the same thing right now, you know, where people are making that decision and there's great product. We have a great building, uh, hero, Long Island city, 2416 Queens Plaza South silverback is a developer and it's like the coolest tower we've ever worked on. The amenities are insane. Hmm. Um, and we've seen awesome traction on that, even while we couldn't show, which is probably the most frustrating thing, March, April, May, June. It's like we couldn't, you know, we didn't have access to bring people through. So we had, you know, just doing all the things virtual, but I'd say Long Island City has the most traction, followed by Brooklyn, followed by just the deal that is Manhattan. Um, uh, you know, and obviously our bigger transactions are in Manhattan, but there are great, great deals. Like we just signed one yesterday, you know, it was asking price was six, 6.7 million was the ask and the deal was for 5.2 um with concessions like that's that's a good deal Mike. that's there a good deal go. yeah, yeah. And thank you for providing numbers this is what we want to uh to hear on this show you know we're trying to bridge the gap between you know what's going on in the streets and and waiting four or five months for that closing from from Acris. so yeah thank yeah. you so much this has been enlightening this has been fantastic ryan sirhant thank you so much you are the man wishing you all the best with your new firm that thank is you. john Walkup. i am noah rosenblatt we are from urban digs this is talking manhattan and we'll catch you next time.